Hey, how's it going? What you got there? God damn, you are talented. Those look amazing. It's got to take you a while to process those photos, right? While you're waiting. Come here. I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. Welcome to Nine Cents. Nine Cents is a satanic perspective of our modern world, and I'm your host, Adam Campbell. It is great to have you. It is December 29th, the last episode of this year, and I've got a great show for you this week. The last episode of the year. This is amazing. I cannot believe I've been doing this for this long. Um, okay, so... I at the, every single year I archive all of the episodes. So if you need to catch up, you're going to have to either download all of the shows uh, this week, or refer to the archived pages once I put up the new website. And yes, I spent the entire day redesigning the website. If you're bored and you're looking around the website now, you're going to see some pages that. <clears throat> have already been updated and stuff. But it's a brand new design, something dramatically different. What what I was seeing with the website is that it was really cluttered. I didn't get a real sense of purpose when I landed on the homepage for Nine Cents. Uh, so I wanted to simplify, sort of rein it in a little bit, um, maintain some of the abstract imagery, maintain some of that dark noir feel, but present it in a, certainly a new way, but also a modern way. So it, you know, there's a minor parallax feel to it, but it's a reflexive website. So it's uh, designed in a fluid grid system. Meaning if you look at it on your desktop, it looks one way. If you look at it on a tablet, it'll look another. And if you look at it on your iPhone or your Android phone, it'll look in another way. So the menu adjusts depending on what you're looking at. The content flows through the page depending on the width of your web browser or device. So I'm, I'm really excited for this. It should be a lot easier for people to access the content. I've made it so you can access everything with one click. So you can get to the segment pages with one click. You can get to the episode pages with one click. S trying to keep it super, super simple and really get you to the point which I would hope is, I, is the content of the show, really. You know, whether it's the episode or the segments. So you're going to have to check that out and let me know what you think when that goes live. And I'm, I'm planning on it should be live this week because I have to get some other things live uh, at the end of this week as well. It's just it takes a lot of time uh, redesigning everything and making sure it all flows with the different um, resolutions of, of the different devices that people, you know, access this stuff with. So, uh, yeah, so websites coming down, update and reskin, look for it 
coming here this week. Um, another year of nine cents. So I started this thing really as a personal expression. It's developed into um, a satanic expression, not just mine, which is fantastic. And going into the new year, I'm hoping that it continues to grow in that vein. So I'm going to continue to try to put in um, interviews. Uh, I'm going to try to make it worthwhile for you to spend your time listening to the show. So if you have any um, guests that you would like me to have on, any uh, projects that you would like to have me feature, I've gotten a lot of feedback from you guys, and so I am working on some things. So keep that in mind. But yeah, moving forward, if there's a band that you want me to talk to, if there's an uh, author or a book you want me to check out, I will do everything I can to get the people on, and, and together we can have a really fantastic dialogue uh, in, through this podcast. But also, let's keep in mind that this is a satanic podcast, and so I want things to have some satanic bend to them. You know, something that, that resonates with us Satanists. Uh, so keep that in mind when you're sending me the correspondence. But you can send uh, correspondence to info at 9centspodcast.com. Um, now, I do need to announce here, duh, 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 the live episode of Get to Know the Voices of Nine Cents, Adam P. Campbell. That's me. It's going to be airing on the 12th of January. So look for that. If you cannot tune in, it's going to be a Google Hangout. And when we're ready to turn it live, I'm going to have Aaron Kasabov down the crossroads uh, interview me based on the questions that you've all submitted. So if you do have a question, you can still submit it because I'm not obviously I'm not going to uh, record it until the 12th when we're doing it live. But you could also tune in live and ask your questions live. So send them to me while we're discussing if you have a follow-up question that you want me to answer. Um, this is going to be, you know, I'm going to be probably either using my iPhone or an iPad or something to record it. I'm not going to be sitting in my computer chair so I can walk around and uh, sort of just chill on my couch while we're doing this. Uh, I'm not sure what Aaron's plans are, but this is going to be a, a camera setup. So you're going to be able to see us and see how we react to the questions, uh, see the body language and, and get a sense of this voice that you guys tune into every week uh what what we look like so to speak when we're uh you know addressing this i do have a like personally i come alive when i'm talking when i'm explaining things when i'm you know in the middle of dialogue if it's just like a still shot it's always you know just bleh, this is me so you get a different sense of people when you see them communicate and certainly you're going to see that when when you uh tune in that. But if you can't tune in, I understand, and not a lot of people can, uh, they don't have the time or, you know, they just d don't have the schedule to, to do it or, or the will, <laughs> let's be honest. Um, I will be taking the, the video recording and sort of packaging it, and then I'll re-release it once I'm, I'm happy with the way I've edited it and uh, added intro and outro and everything. So it'll be available if you can't make it. But again, that's going to be on the 12th of January, it's a Sunday. And right now, I'm planning on doing it sometime around 5.30 Eastern Standard Time. So whatever that time is in your time zone, 5.30 Eastern Standard in the evening, we'll be doing it. And then, uh, yeah, it'll be fun. You get to watch us act like idiots and probably drink way too much while we're answering your questions. It'll be fantastic. Um, all right, so with the new year, you always have these New Year's resolutions. And Jesse from I Dream of Jesse had released an amazing episode with this specific topic in mind. 
uh, in December. So definitely go back and check that out because it's fantastic. For me, I don't really do New Year's resolutions at all. Um, I sort of do reaffirmations, meaning I will continue doing this or I will focus more on this. But if it's something that I just need to pick up to do, I'm probably already doing it. So no reason to make a resolution like this statement like, I will start blah, you know, not not really my style. But I, uh, I can honestly say I, I'm going to be more successful this year. Uh, it's already <laughs> sort of in the works, so it's just something that comes with hard work. Um, I'm really excited for that. I I've set it up so we have a lot of things with my personal family that have needed to be done for improvements uh, are going to be happening. So that's another thing that I'm really sort of excited. I'm doubling down on getting to uh, really we only have two major bills in my life and that's the mortgage and my student loans. So obviously focusing on paying off my student loans is a big one. Um, and that's barring the necessity to get another car because one of our cars is kind of dying, which is actually the reason why um, Aden Arden is not joining me for this episode, uh, for the entirety of the episode. We are going to be talking um, in his segment, Militant Eroticism, about incest. Ooh. But, um, well, hey, let me just go into what, what you can expect from this show here. So from The Devil's Advocate, I had a conversation with uh, a listener, a really fantastic woman, and she brought something up that kind of bothered me a lot. <laughs> a lot more than I think it should have bothered me, but it bugged the shit out of me. And so I'm framing it in a devil's advocate. So this is going to be Satanism and self-esteem. An infernal informant, same-sex couples shatter marriage records in Utah. That's right, Utah. My place. And reports of sexual assault in the military jumped 50% in 2013. And then again, Milton Rawson with the Den Arden, uh, episode 7, Incest. So look forward to that in the second half of the show. Um, I do want to touch on one final thing here before I start the show. I've had a donation um, field button <laughs> on the 9centspodcast.com website for a number of months. And I've had a number of you send in donations. And let me just stop. And obviously, every time you do, I, I thank you individually. But let me just say, I really appreciate that. It means a lot to me because it, it means that you're finding what I'm doing and what these um, contributors to Nine Cents are doing is a value. And so I use that money to pay for hosting fees and for domain name renewals and for um, programs that I need to produce the show and make it a better produced show. So things like uh, Adobe Audition, um, uh, uh, my microphone, for example. Uh, so, and obviously, you know, for the website, uh, I use a lot of Adobe products and stuff. So. I use that money directly for the show. It's never going to me because I need to buy a Coke or anything stupid like that. So I, I really appreciate it. And if you feel like this is a value, then please do donate. And if we can pay up the bills, then maybe I can, you know, spread a little to uh, the contributors who are spending a lot of their personal time providing content for you to enjoy. Uh, so keep that in mind. Let's 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 keep the uh, let's just keep it up. You know, and part of that is, you know, I don't expect people to send me money to help produce the show. Um, but I do expect you to share what you enjoy. So if you enjoy listening to this show, share it with someone. Spread the word. Um, if you like hearing what I do, communicate with me. Communicate with the um, 
the contributors. Let us know what you like, what you don't like. The back and forth that we have and the back and forth that I've had with you, the audience, has helped me shape this podcast to something that specifically fits your desires. I'm doing this for you, so I want you to let me know if you like it and if you don't like it, etc. So you can send your correspondence to info at 9centspodcast.com or you can contact any of the contributors through that same email or you can just go to their own blogs or Facebook page or Twitter accounts and all of that is on the 9centspodcast.com website. So go reach out, make a friend, uh, and if you don't want to make a friend, just you know let them know they're doing a good job, pat them on the back because they deserve it. They're doing amazing. And Aden Arden keeps it up in this episode for sure. So how about we uh, stop the banter and dive into the devil's advocate. In nomine de nostris, Thomas in the name of Satan, the ruler of the earth, the king. Though I'm an active member, I do not speak for the church of Satan. Satanism and self-esteem. All right, so this is... <clears throat> this is brought up because I had a conversation with uh, one of you fantastic listeners and how to frame this is tough because I had a, sometimes my, my emotions come through in the show and, uh, you know, I seem down or something in the show. Um, and then I get, you know, sort of a, a flood of emails from, from you guys about it. And hey, I, <laughs> I think that's awesome. Thank you so much. Um, and, but then sometimes there's a little bit of judgment involved. So there's this idea that if you're a Satanist, you can't have a poor sense of self. You can't have a bad self uh, image of yourself in your mind. You have to be this, this, I don't know, perfect uh, paragon of Satanism. There's nothing ever wrong with you. You are absolutely in control at all times. You are absolutely empowered at all times, and you are driven. And and that <laughs> that's it's a false premise because what you're saying is if you're a Satanist then you are perfect and that's that's really not the case the way I define myself as a Satanist is one my thoughts are are, are echoed in the Satanic Bible I, I see my mind in its pages um, the way I see the world is satanic. I still suffer from my own mind, just like all of you do. Satanism isn't something that you reach a pinnacle and you can say, I am now a Satanist. We're born Satanists. You don't, you don't achieve Satanism. You don't achieve a Satanist status and you just sort of pin it on your lapel. That's not how it works. You're born the way you are, and you have to live your life, if you're honest with yourself, uh, that way. And so that's what I do with Satanism, is, is I, I see myself and I identify myself as a Satanist. But I can't help the way my mind works. Um, and this is echoed in a lot of you listeners as well. Life experience dictates thought patterns, uh, behaviors... For whatever reason, genetic or learned, 
we have insecurities. We have doubts. Uh, and, and sometimes that means pity parties and you get over it. And sometimes that means self-loathing and you get over it. Or you deal with it. But because you have doubts about yourself from time to time, it doesn't mean you're it doesn't mean you're less of a Satanist. The way I define it uh, in this context is that Satanism is empowerment for an individual. So rather than wallowing in self-pity, rather than succumbing to perceived uh, insecurities or, or just, just insecurities that you feel are within you that genuinely are there maybe rather than succumbing to them you recognize them for what they are you deal with them and you don't allow them to hinder your goals whatever they are by recognizing faults you can manage them by recognizing issues you may have physical or psychological if they're in the way of goals that you set for yourself, of successes you define it, you have to manage them and you have to work through them. That is satanic. Just giving into them and feeding off the teat of your local community church or, or, or your government. Well, that's weakness. Working through whatever your flaws are, that's satanic opening your eyes and recognizing them. And so that's what I do. I realize that I'm prone to depression. I have a very low sense of self at times, but I manage it. I set aside time for me to deal with that. So if I need a pity party, I can just close the door, turn on some blues and sit and have a drink and, and deal with it. Then turn the light on, turn the music off, put the drink down, and I go about my life and do what I have to do. Set goals and meet them and exceed them. Truly strive to be the better version of myself. That is what is satanic. But because you recognize problems with the way you think or, or flaws in your individual behaviors or mind, doesn't mean you're not a satanist. Because you've recognized them, that, that puts you on a really good goddamned path to dealing with them, to managing them, and to not letting them hold you down. I get a little frustrated when I hear that. Because there, it just, as I've already mentioned, it, it sets up two really bullshit ideas. One is that if you're a Satanist, you can't have problems. Or... Two, that if you're a Satanist, then you're automatically perfect. And you have to see yourself as perfect, or else you're not a good Satanist. And that's bullshit. That's a fucking lie. And if that's the way that you're seeing yourself right now as you're listening to this, that, oh, I am a Satanist, and I'm absolutely perfect in everything I do, and I'm the best version of me. Well, guess what? You suck at life. You need to fucking struggle. You need... If you're at a place right now where you just feel content about your life, I challenge, you're not really challenging yourself. You're not really striving for anything. You never get to a point in life where you're just like, ah, I'm done.
episodes like that are brief. There should always be a new conquest. Whether it's a new book that you want to consume, a new piece of artwork you want to create, a, a woman you want to have, or a man that you want to seduce, whatever it is, there should always be something to drive you. We have a world that is incredibly vast, filled with possibility of experience. If you're just content to sit on your ass and play video games all day, you're not a human being. You're not living. And you can't tell me that if you're ever in a place where you just feel content and you're, you're the top of your game and there's nothing else to, to challenge yourself, you're not looking big enough. You're not looking far enough. You're not challenging yourself hard enough. So by definition of being a human being, if you're a Satanist, you will never be perfect. Because there's that inner fire that drives us, that keeps us going, that, that pushes us to want to consume, indulge, create, and destroy. That, it's, it's who and what we are. We can't fight it. Recognizing those needs in ourselves as well as the flaws in ourselves, allow us to have a healthy self sense of self and self-esteem, a healthy perspective of who and what we are. And that doesn't mean, the word healthy, perfect. It means realistic. It means we, seize our, we see us for our, our, our strengths and we see ourselves for our weaknesses and we deal and work through our weaknesses and we work and strengthen or, and grow our strengths. But it's never just a done deal. We are Satanists, so we are perfect, so you must bow to me. That's not reality. Just wanted to get that out. <laughs> it was kind of it was kind of bothering me, to be honest, when I heard that. And I know there wasn't any intention behind it. Not not like I'm implying. But it is that idea, you know, it is there behind it. Well, how can you not see yourself as perfect? You're a Satanist. Because I am a Satanist, that's why. I recognize myself for my faults and I work through them. But but by admitting to your faults, it doesn't mean you're less of a person. By admitting who and what you are allows you to master who and what you are. Or at least... Strive to master who and what you are. That's satanic! If you can't see that, I can't help you. No one can help you. It's all about you, man. <laughs> this whole religion, everything about who and what we are, what draws us to Satanism. If you don't understand that or if you can't grasp that concept, I challenge you're not a Satanist because you never reach a pinnacle. It never happens. It doesn't come with a title. It doesn't come... I just thought of the Grinch, actually. It doesn't come in boxes and bags. <laughs> uh, it's, it's within us. It's, it is the, the personification through our actions of that inner fire that burns. And it doesn't go out until we pass. And then it's the end and it doesn't fucking matter. So until then... Have a realistic and healthy sense of self-esteem. And Satanism allows you to do that. But don't think because you're a Satanist, you're in...
infallible. You are perfect. You are the most powerful, egomaniacal person in the world because that is not satanic. Period. All right. <laughs> Let's move to the infernal informant. Uh, in front of This is from the Huffington Post. Same-sex couples shatter marriage records in Utah by Marissa Lang, posted on the 28th. In the weeks since a federal judge overturned Utah's ban on same-sex marriage, the number of weddings in the state has skyrocketed, shattering records and accruing thousands of dollars for Utah's 29 counties. As of close of business Thursday, more than 1,225 marriage licenses had been issued in Utah since last Friday. Of those, at least 74%, or 905 licenses, were issued to gay and lesbian couples. Marriage licenses in Utah cost between $30 and $50, depending on the county. With an average marriage license costing $40, counties in Utah made a grand total of more than $49,000 in the three and a half days most county clerks' offices were open this week. About three quarters of that money came from gay and lesbian couples seeking marriage licenses in the immediate aftermath of U.S. District Judge Robert J. Shelby's ruling that overturned a statewide ban on same-sex marriages. Salt Lake County shattered a previous held record of 85 marriages in a given day by handing out 353 on Monday, the first full day of issuing marriage licenses to same-sex couples. On the other hand, Paiute, a small county of about 1,500 people in the center of the state, was of several counties with no takers. Had any Paiute couples requested a license, they would have been denied anyway. County Clerk Valene Brown was on vacation until Monday, officials said. So Paiute officials suspended all marriage license activity until Brown returns. What the fuck did you include in the article, you idiot? God. Well, of course. Ah, <laughs> oh, this is so infuriating. Of course. No gay couples were married in Paiute County. It was closed. Why even bring it up? Set it up as if it's like some bigotry thing, and then BAM! Smack you on the side of the frickin' head. Utah County, which made national news this week when Shelly Iyer and her partner Cheryl Hawes declared that they would sue its clerk for denying gay and lesbian couples, was doling out certificates Thursday to all. Moving forward, we probably won't keep track of how many same-sex couples versus opposite-sex couples we issue licenses to, said Brian Thompson, the county clerk's uh, I'm sorry, county clerk and auditor. I don't see any reason to differentiate between the two. That's the end of the article. Uh, and that's... <laughs> this is amazing. In Utah, a firm, hardcore, religious, and Republican state. They're moving to where they don't even keep tabs because it doesn't matter because they're just people getting married. Okay, so on its face, getting rid of bigoted laws, hey, I'm, I'm behind that 100%. Get rid of them. However, <laughs> law of the forbidden much? You can't get married, and then suddenly you can get married, and you're like, ooh, let's go get married. Never, and I'm making some wild assumptions here. Never once considering, should I get married? <laughs> there's, there's genuine, for, for couples that are genuinely in love, that live their lives together, uh, then, you know, whatever. If you want to get married, awesome. Get married. It doesn't fucking matter. 
But I think there's going to be some uh, divorces coming down the pipe because people realize that, oh, wow, marriage is completely different. Now, one of the couple thinks that there is this bond that was stronger that requires more, and the other may not. <laughs> marriage is not something that you just do because you can, people. I wonder if we should go through uh, phases, because this was such a money-generating endeavor of uh, unbanning gay marriage. Maybe we should start banning straight marriage for, like... And we could just pick a time frame, you know? Like, let's just say 25 years. No straight people can get married. It is illegal. And then, at the end of that 25-year mark, holy shit, people will go shit, bat, crazy, fucking everyone will be getting married! For no reason at all. And then go back to banning gays for getting married. Just, just use this as like a fundraiser. Like, oh, you know what? Election's coming up in two years. We're going to ban gay marriage until, I don't know, maybe two months before election. Then I'll unban it. We'll get all the revenue. Plus, I'll get all the votes for being the one who unbanned gay marriage again. It's a win-win. We should totally think about this, people. <laughs> we should be... <laughs> we should be... Uh, really shitting on minorities' rights more often, temporarily, as long as there's a financial benefit for lifting said <laughs> bigoted laws. Oh, man. Unbelievable. Yeah, hey, fantastic. Uh, there's going to be a lot of married gay people. Um, not sure what that really means. <laughs> it doesn't... Being married does not, like, infuse your relationship with strength. It actually causes a lot of problems. <laughs> there are some real inherent issues that you have to deal with. If you are not a diplomat, you should not get married. Because marriage is all about diplomacy. It's about strategic thinking and maneuvers and compromise. you you got to be a politician if you're going to be married. I mean, that's just the way of it. Because you can't be a dictator. You will not be married long if you're a dictator. Boys and girls, believe you me. And if you're a woman thinking that if you get married, then you can just tell your man whatever to do whatever you want him to do, and he's just going to do it, oh, shit. If you're not going to give it up sexually, oh, shit. You are not going to be married very long. And if you're a man who thinks getting married just means you're going to get some tail whenever the hell you want it, holy shit, are you wrong. <laughs> that is not the case. Holy shit, you'll be lucky to get tail. <laughs> no, realistically, you know, couples vary, obviously. Everything varies. Everything's fucking relative. But just saying, man, marriage is something you have to work at. It's not something that comes naturally. Not to anyone. I don't care who you are. And anytime you bring someone else's mind into influencing your life, it causes problems. So, gay or otherwise... Good luck, man. You're going to need it. <laughs> Marriage is a bitch. Now, I've been married lovingly for a very long time, and I don't want that diatribe. <laughs> I don't want people thinking that I'm not happy. I'm happy-ish. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. But I'm married. <laughs> Which basically means I can't sit around in my boxers playing video games all day. <laughs> not that I would want to, but I, if I ever wanted to, I couldn't. Because I have responsibilities. What the fuck? Yeah, you have to be an adult. I don't know why, where this even came from. All right, go gays, get married, <laughs> have fun in Utah. 
<gasps> and it wasn't even a couple of years ago that there was like this huge make-out sit-in at the the um, Temple Square here in Utah because two gay people that were uh, making out were kicked out of Temple Square sometime in the middle of the night or something, and so everyone just got together because there's you know bigoted. If it was too like a, a straight couple, it wouldn't have been an issue, but because they were gay. You know, two guys making out, then they were like, ooh, this is unclean, shoo, shoo. And so there's this huge sit-in where everyone got in there and everyone was kissing everyone. It was this big sort of make-out orgy, if you will. Yeah, that state just unbanned gay marriage. And, of course, in prime Utah fashion, you've got the bigots, um, <laughs> the bigoted people up in arms, man. They are fighting this legally and just yelling to the sky, Lord, why won't you stop them gays? <laughs> so dumb. <sighs> Alright, what am I doing? <laughs> Talking about. Alright, okay, so this one is the uh, PBS NewsHour. Reports of sexual assault in the military jumped 50% in 2013. Talk about a left fucking turn. <laughs> like going from, yay, gays can get married to, ugh, sexual assault. All right, so this is uh, put here on the 27th on pbs.org, and it is uh, from the Associated Press. I will not be reading this entire article. I'm just going to touch on, uh, I don't know, I'll read most of it. Uh, there's some points I wanted to touch on here. First, I'm going to take a sip of my beer. Sorry, I know people hate that. The number of reported sexual assaults across the military shot up by more than 50% this year, an increase that defense officials say may suggest that victims are becoming more willing to come forward after a tumultuous year of scandals that shined a spotlight on the crimes and put pressure on the military to take aggressive action. A string of high-profile assaults and arrests triggered outrage in Congress and set off months of debate over how to change the military justice system. While military leaders launched a series of new programs intended to beef up accountability and encourage victims to come forward. According to an early data obtained by the Associated Press, there were more than 5,000 reports of sexual assault filed during the fiscal year that ended in September 30th, compared to the 3,374 in 2012. Of those 2013 reports, about 10% involved incidents that occurred before the victim got into the military, up from just 4% only a year ago. That increase, officials said, suggests that confidence in the system is growing and that victims are more willing to come forward. Asked about the preliminary data, defense officials were cautious in the conclusion, but they said surveys, focus groups, and repeated meetings with service mem members throughout the year suggest that the number of actual incidents, from unwanted sexual contact and harassment to violent assaults, has remained largely steady. Given the multiple data points, we access that this is more reporting, said Colonel Alan R. Metzler, a deputy director of the Pentagon Sexual Assault Prevention and Response Office. He also noted that more victims are agreeing to make official complaints rather than simply seeking medical care without filing formal accusations. The military has long struggled to get victims to report sexual harassment and assault in the stern military culture that emphasizes rank, loyalty, and toughness. Too often, victims have complained that they were afraid to report assaults to ranking officers or that their initial complaints were rebuffed or ignored. 
As a result, the crime has been vastly underreported, a fact that became evident when officials announced earlier this year that an anonymous survey had revealed that about 26,000 service members reported some type of unwanted sexual contact or sexual assault. According to the latest numbers, the increase in reports across the services ranges from a low of 45% in the Air Force to a high of 86% in the Marines, the smallest of the services. The Navy had an increase of 46% and the Army, by far the largest military service, had a 50% jump. Jill Loftus, director of the Navy's Sexual Assault Program, which also includes the Marine Corps, said the increase in reporting also suggests that more service members are starting to understand what types of behaviors constitute harassment or assault. She said that based on Navy surveys, we are not seeing a perception that the numbers of incidents are growing. More likely, we have people who understand what sexual assault is, she said. And, she said, officials are hearing that more people are comfortable coming forward. All right, so I want to touch on this for a second, if I can, here. Yeah. And who's going to stop me? Your pause button, your fast forward button? I don't think so. All right, so here's the deal. This is a real serious issue. Um, not knowing what sexual assault is. I mean, genuinely, it's it's a real issue. And, and, you know, individually, we can sit here and mouths agape, sit here aghast. Like, how could anyone not understand what sexual assault is? But even in my time in the military... You know, we had, uh, I was in a CAV unit, a CAV training unit for officers. Uh, and it was sort of a maintenance battalion slash support battalion for the training, for officers training um, for the, the cavalry. And so it was primarily men when I was in there. It was a big fucking deal when, when there was a female who came into battalion to battalion, which is <laughs> a number of companies put together. So it, it, you know, we were like, okay, well, look, you can talk this way with your friends. You cannot talk this way when women are present. So it was like a boys club. And it, you would think, and, and here's the weird thing, is that the majority of these people are married. So you would think that they would understand that you can't, walk up and grab a woman's tit and yet some guys were shut or you can't you know sit here and talk about pussy in front of women in in a work environment and think that that's okay they were just shocked They're like why why are girls coming into our company or in our battalion this is ruining the whole company this is ruining our military experience are you kidding me it is insane some people just don't fucking have a clue about common decency so it's not shocking that if you are raised in a good old boy environment, then you wouldn't know what sexual assault is because it's just something that you and your buddies did on the weekends. You just assaulted women and thought it was okay because that was the culture you were raised in. Yeah, it happens and it's out there. The culture is there. And so to think that somehow it wouldn't be a part of the biggest good old boys club in the world, which is the United States military, is absurd. And it is something that is not going to go away anytime soon. But it is really good that they're finally focusing on incidents of rape and assault. Because, you know, like the article states, it has gone unreported. Because it's done primarily 
by your superiors, the people that have trained you, the people that are in charge of your well-being and welfare. These are the people doing it. And that's why you always hear that thing, you know, rape isn't about sex, it's about power. Well, I think it's <laughs> a little bit about both, let's be fair. But also, to be fair, they're not raping the uh, commanding officers above them. They're raping their subordinates. So it's about power. They know that they can get away with this. And so they are going to try to get away with it. And in the majority of cases, they have. Hopefully that changes. Hopefully we can get this really basic understanding that because you want to do something doesn't mean the other person has to go along with it. And there's this weird idea that I think is perpetuated primarily through Christian Islamic Judeo-Christian religions, I'll say, that women are inferior. And <laughs> I don't think you've ever met a real woman because there's nothing inferior about a real woman. So I, I don't want to pigeonhole it and say satanic women because we're really, we, uh, satanic women are really a minority. Let's be fair. You know, let's be honest. Um, I know a lot of very powerful women that aren't satanists, that aren't man-haters, they're just bold, powerful women who are in absolute control of their lives. And why would you think just because they have a vagina instead of a dick that somehow they're inferior to you? It's it's the most absurd thing that, that you can think of. And yet, again, it is there. It is out there in, in the common vernacular, in the majority of our world sadly to say, but in the, in the military, it is absolutely there. Women have different standards that they have to meet physically. Um, they, there's special guidelines for when they're around and how you can act. So, you know, it's a sort of dance, like we have to act differently around women, but then we have to see them as equals that doesn't mesh with virtually anyone really. But you need to understand that it's, it's not just women that you have to uh, be cordial and, and humane to. It's it's every other human being. It's, it's called fucking manners. And the sad thing is, is that people don't see it like that. They don't, they don't see it like, oh, I, I can't talk about fucking this girl around anyone I want. Well, maybe the other people around you don't want to fucking hear that. Maybe you could exercise a little bit of fucking common decency. To keep your behaviors that are vile to yourself. And, and, and maybe, I don't know, use little fucking manners when you're in the public arena. Because we're all here too. We don't want to hear about you. We don't want to smell you. We don't want to experience every little thought that you might have. Have some fucking manners. It's not that we're treating women special. It's that we're showing fucking decent behavior. You should be doing that to men too, douchebags. So, I don't know. And here's the thing, is that it's not just women. Men are getting assaulted too. So it's absolutely about power. It's about knowing that you can get away with it in a culture that allows you to get away with assault. So, hey, if you have no sense of personal morals, why wouldn't you? Just do it. Well, it's changing now. So hopefully we can weed out those fucking assholes. And they are court-martialing them. And, and actually this article speaks to where, you know, some people are actually being court-martialed in parade fields. So anyone can come and see and shame them in the public arena. And I think that's amazing. I think we should absolutely do that. Because <laughs> a lot of this 
is them wanting to get away with it without anyone knowing what kind of, cause they know it's shitty behavior deep down. They just think that they can get away with it. And so they're going to do it, but they're going to keep it on the down low. They're going to threaten and they're going to keep secrets. If it's out in the open, Oh, it's a whole new ballpark. These people may think twice. And if they don't kick their asses out, they don't belong in the military anyway. So anyway, that's that article. Uh, check it out. And honestly, if you're one of those people that think that you have to act differently around women, or you have to act differently around men, uh, you're a douchebag because you don't have to act differently. You just have to be a regular human being and have manners. That's it. So check yourself before you wreck yourself. (laughs) I have no idea why I fucking said that. I feel like an after school special suddenly. Oh, stay in school, kids. (laughs) Don't do drugs. (laughs) Holy fuck. All right, that's going to do it for the Infernal Format. Let's uh, jump into some incest. <laughs> With fuck. Milton eroticism and a den or den. The top hated and the low-browed. With a scarlet passion and valid gospel, I say to you, Thou in sick style of remote altars, be not of love, but of lust. And to one of those full ears are bellies full. Expand your gentle rebellion to vindicate the shrew. Let thy brothel be revelation. Then thy moans are divine wisdom. Salvation in the whole religion. Our dogma is their kink. With legs spread, with flesh mounted, we point out to our accusers a slut alone is no slut at all. This I say to you, my fellow eroticists, my hands on borders. It doesn't matter who bends over. In the end, we are all degraded. Welcome to Militant Eroticism. I'm your host, Aden Arden, and let me first say that the research and news articles I'm referencing um, and that I've used in constructing this episode are already on the Facebook page. And allow me to remind those listening that I make no moral claims and do not deal with shoulda, woulda, couldas in these kinds of episodes. As I've said before, science is used to collect data, philosophy is used to discuss what we do with it or what it means. So I'm discussing what is and what not, and not what ought to be. Incest is the sexual relations between close relatives or those who are too closely related to be married. The former part of the definition is primarily concerned with genetics and the latter being the law. Thus the latter depends on which place you're talking about. My uncle, for example, is married to his second cousin. My aunt who is married to her first cousin which made one hell of a time making a family tree when I was a kid. I had an arranged marriage with my first cousin. Obviously, that didn't go too well because uh, I'm not sick like most of you. (laughs) (laughs) 
The dangers of incest are popularly associated with the passing of genetic diseases found in a family line. Now, when I say popularly associated, I don't mean that it's wrong. I'm saying that's usually the only excuse you hear. And it's only a half-truth. If you look at some of the news articles I've posted, a lot of these brother and sister relationships had perfectly healthy children. But you're still, you're playing against the house. You're, the more kids you have, the more likely it is that um, you're going to have a retarded kid or someone with Tay-Sachs or, um, or a big bottom lip, which I have a big bottom lip. And then again, I'm Arabic and a lot of my family is incestuous. So there we go. <laughs> but that's also a way to make DSLs. So, <laughs> so think of Britain's royalty and the Habsburg jaw. If you don't know what the Habsburg jaw is and you watch Family Guy, Think of James William Bottomtooth III. On the Facebook page, I've also included a list of royal genetic diseases. Uh, there's a whole list of, uh, of uh, royalty in the past that we now know. I mean, look at them. They look fucked up, and they were usually incredibly crazy. The interesting thing about the incest taboo is it's one of the very few taboos found in every culture throughout all of history, no matter the ethnicity, and it's usually only put aside for nobility. Uh, Egypt, Britain, Persia, Rome, uh, these things are, you just open any history book. The definitions or loopholes of incest are privy to different cultures. Middle East, you're allowed to have an arranged marriage with your first cousin. You're, you're expected to marry your second, uh, usually. It wasn't until a little bit ago that you know, uncles were allowed to, in this country, uncles were allowed to marry their nieces. This is also incredibly popular in history and still today, though incest uh, traditions are kind of going by the wayside in the last few places of the planet. So, but the taboo itself exists fundamentally in all societies. This has led to anthropologists, geneticists, ethnologists, and a psychologist to seek the answer to why. Why is this the one, uh, pretty much the only taboo that runs through everything? Is it in us? Is it in our blood? Is it the Oedipus complex? Is it the brother-sister version of the friend zone, which in science is called the Westermark effect? Why would siblings be attracted to each other in the first place? You think for a species that would screw itself by sleeping with its siblings, we would just naturally not do it. There'd be some kind of genetic thing in us saying, no, they're disgusting, they're gross. But there isn't. Three important concepts to, uh, to define and then discuss is the Oedipus complex. Um, well, the first being the Oedipus complex. Simply, it's Freud's idea that when you apply it to incest, means that because children are naturally attracted to their parents, society had to create incest taboos. Freud's notions about human behavior are rooted in the Victoria, Victorian era's obsession with people being uncontrollably filthy and terribly perverse. True, I say the same thing, but Freud, Freud's a product of that era where we're all bad, bad, terribly sinful things, and that we need rules, we need laws. So to Freud, it was simply, we are incestuous. Therefore, we created incest taboos to present ourselves from do, uh, prevent ourselves, I'm sorry, from doing something naughty. Think about that line till the ridiculousness of it sinks in. 
Another concept is, as I mentioned earlier, the Westermark effect, uh, where those who spend the first few years of their life or a massive amount of time together will become immune to sexual imprinting. The Westermark effect is also referenced or used in researching the friend zone. Uh, you know, when you hang out with someone for a long time, uh, if you're straight of the opposite gender, if you're gay of the same, uh, there may be sexual feelings there in the beginning, but the more time you spend with someone, the more you get to know them, the less sexual attraction you have for them. And then you're stuck in the friend zone. This is, this, this is linked to reverse sexual imprinting, which is uh, also what the Western Mark effect is called. And the third concept is genetic sexual attraction, which goes hand in hand with the Western Mark effect. They feed off each other, and it's in these two concepts combined create the most popular theory of explaining the incest taboo. It's the notion that you're more attracted to those who have similar physical characteristics that you do, which is based in genetics. Now, one of the articles I posted said that men, heterosexual men, are more attracted to women who in the face look like them, which I thought was kind of weird. And then women are more attracted to men who look nothing like them. I, I'm going to go over that article again because I just had a raised eyebrow. I'm like, no, you're full of it. Because <laughs> if that were the case, that line I use on straight guys would work more than it does. Yeah. <laughs> but it doesn't. <laughs> the only thing that works is chloroform. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and, and a little bit of really shitty logic on stupid frat house bros. Or guys who just don't get any because they're too macho dick assholes. <laughs> yeah, it, whatever works. Uh, there's numerous reports of siblings separated at birth, meeting again, marrying, and producing children before discovering that their brother and sister or father, daughter, or... Um, mother son and most when they find out they'll usually quietly annul their marriage and reorganize their relationship into something more appropriate or acceptable other couples like the german couple i posted an article about patrick stubing and susan karoliski they went to the courts and they fought the anti-incest laws and they of course lost and their marriage was annulled the argument proposed by couples like uh like them that refuse to split after finding out that they're close relatives is that consenting adults have the right to screw whomever they wish, especially when one can have genetic uh, testing done to see what the child may have or carry. Like my parents had that kind of test done to see if I would have lupus instead of I'm a carrier. So helps that I'm gay because I won't pass it on. But then again, it doesn't really work that way. Uh, there are other instances of child and parent sexual relationships. Now, I don't mean uh, pedophilic relationships. I mean, you know, both consenting adults, one's a father, one's a daughter, one's a mother, one's a son. Uh, they, these relationships usually happen after a reconnection. Uh, there's a book that I posted. Uh, it, it has the preview called The Kiss. And... Um, it was a woman who was estranged from her father for 20 years and they found each other and there was an instantaneous and very strong sexual attraction. They had an incestuous relationship for four years. She wrote a book about it. It's, um, it's quite a good book. So, you know, look that up and maybe get a copy. 
Uh, those kinds of relationships are examples of genetic sexual attraction. The way these things are thought to run is that because of the high instance of genetic and physical similarities, they become attracted to their sibling or parent um, because they haven't gone through the reverse sexual imprinting. They haven't gone through that uh, Western Mark effect. Uh, they're not in the friend zone, so it's fair game. There are organizations that are very aware of this, like uh, the Truth Seekers and Adoption Group in Illinois. They have workshops on when a parent and a child reconnect or a brother and a sister reconnect. Uh, they want them to meet at a group setting. That way they can calm that effect down and make sure it doesn't happen. So pretty much they're giving everybody blue balls. Uh, <laughs> as incest pertains to pornography, the reason I didn't post too much about it is because it seems rather obvious to me where that fetish comes from. Um, it's forbidden fruit. It's a novelty. In Russia, it's usually mother-son, or the son and his friends gangbanging the mother. Remember that episode about women and gangbanging? Now you have incest to pair with it. <laughs> now, on the other hand, in America, um, or in westernized cultures, it's usually stepbrother, stepsister, step-something. And it's usually the daughter taking advantage of the stepfather or, or just plain old rape. But if you go to the incest fetish uh, forums or community boards, they all seem to be getting rather bored. Everyone's on to the new next twist. It's an over-sexualized culture, and incest, uh, unless you're, I guess, lack of a better phrase, truly incestuous, it's going to be a passing fad for you. Uh, it's almost like this culture has a long-standing game with the puzzle box, and Pinhead keeps beckoning us because he has such sights to show. It's, um, that's why I'm not going into pornography. It's, it's just rather, it's something new to jack off to. <laughs> but that does it for episode seven of Militant Eroticism. Make sure to head over to the Facebook page and hit the like button. Stay in the know about where I get my wacky ideas from and argue with me. Uh, next episodes will be my little rant about gay culture, the evolutionary causes of rape, and love spells. And always remember, keep your skirts up, your pants down, and no matter who bends over, in the end, we are all degraded. <laughs> nice, man. <laughs> nice. This is a really, <clears throat> I mean, it's obviously it's, it's a taboo subject, but it's even touchy when delivering it in a scientific sort of fact-based way. There, there's still this hesitation involved, at least for me anyway, even just being sort of a bystander in it. Um, but I, I do have a couple questions. What, I mean, you said you were, um, you were set up to marry a cousin <laughs> and, and obviously that wouldn't <laughs> ever have worked, but I mean, were you ever attracted to any other member of your family? Oh yeah. Have you ever seen Arab men? Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I frequently fantasize about quite a few of my cousins, especially when there's this interesting little tradition in Middle Eastern culture. About the remember what I said about the grooms parties in the gangbang episode? <laughs> yeah, that happens except between men. It's considered uh, practice. What? It's like if, 
Yeah, it's nice. <laughs> oh my god! Unfortunately, I've never been involved in one of those things, but yeah, I wish I was. <laughs> it is weird because I mean, it's it can't just be. I mean, obviously, it's a societal thing, and I think from a social, I don't know, maybe propagation of the species with healthy genetics in mind, maybe that would be a reason not to do it. But but you can have sex without having children. And so it does sort of bring up that that question of if if it is consenting adults and the, there's no possibility or there's protections taken, precautions taken to not uh, have a child, is it wrong still? I don't. Well... Okay, this is where I'll be a little, I'll state my personal opinion on incest. I don't give a shit. <laughs> I really don't. I'm not attracted to my brother. And if he wasn't my brother, I still wouldn't be attracted to him. He's just not my type of guy. Yeah. But I understand. I love, I, I, I love incest porn. It's just filthy. It's nasty. It's weird. I love it. I don't care. If you're not producing retarded children, I don't see a problem with it. So the the couples that the courts forced divorce on, I thought that was a bit – I understood, and legally I had to agree they were producing kids. But I just am like, well, that's unfair. They, they clearly love each other. They love each other like brother and sister. <laughs> uh, I don't see anything wrong with it personally. But I, I understand why it's a dangerous game. Yeah. I mean, it is it is certainly something that can obviously throughout our history, we've seen evidence that it can lead to catastrophic results if you are going to you know produce something from your your coupling there. Right, you get but I, alien and, fears. What's that? <laughs> um, you know how the, in uh, Egyptian sculptures they have the long back head, and in ancient alien theory they find skulls yeah. with long elongated skulls. Yeah, yeah that don't have stretch marks on it, which means they were born that way. They think that was an incestuous thing. So, that, okay, it was a bad joke. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, <laughs> oh, never mind. I, I was about to go down this long rabbit hole of aliens and incest. Um, <laughs> it, is, it is something that, it's it's a crazy crazy topic to to sort of jump on because there's so much insecurity involved with it, but I I do have to sort of take a little bit of uh, offense to the idea that it's a genetic attraction because like I I watch some incest porn and I don't look for ones that look like my family and I don't know if, I don't know what that means but like I just like the idea of this is gonna sound so good. <laughs> Um, it's just it's it's a nice you know idea like that you know a mom helping out her son or whatever you know the porn premise is um but it's never like oh hey that's you know me thinking oh that's my mom it's just this is an attractive woman who happens to be a mom and you know i'm gonna suspend disbelief and put myself in this guy's you know shoes for a minute while this happens it's never like, ooh, I'm, this is like me prepping because I'm sexually attracted to my mom or anything like that, you know? I, I mean, it's, it's totally, I don't know. I, just, I Like, even when it's like a sister thing, I have, I have beautiful sisters, like, hands down. I mean, they're beautiful women. But I never look at porn and think, that's my sister, you know? I mean, like, like creepy. Well, 
that's that's not what genetic sexual attraction really means. It means you look for partners that have physical features that are like yours and your family's. Um, and if you look at the articles, they go into far more depth on why, why it could possibly be that way. Um, now, so the question isn't, do you look for, in your porn surfing, do you look for women that look like your mom or your wife or your sister? It's, who does your wife look like? Or let's take my last boyfriend. He had a lot of features in the face that looked like my dad. You know that old adage about every woman wants to marry her father and every man wants to marry his mom? Yeah. That's what kind of what the adage is talking about. Huh. So it's, it's yeah. yeah, the men I'm most attracted to kind of, you know, they have my dad's goatee or they have um, his general build, uh, something along those lines. Well, it is certainly something uh, – that I'm glad you brought it up because it's it's like you know like I'm sort of tiptoeing around it. It's a touchy subject and it's, it, but it's something that's so normal, like not accepted normal, but I think it's much more common in people's minds than we like to admit it is. Oh yeah, incest is one of the most popular. Go to any porn site, incest porn, specifically father daughter, is um one of the highest rated videos surfed. Whoa. I know, right? So <laughs> the only difference between me and Freud on this subject is that I don't think laws were created because we're bad. <laughs> this taboo seems to have evolved for a good reason. Oh, um, the Westermark effect. It's not a social institution. It seems to be nature's way of making sure we don't do it too much. Um, so I forgot to touch on that point. Um, it's not in our genes. It's in our behavior but something that we go around quite a bit. But interesting to note, you can marry your second cousin in this country. Huh. So the genes are far enough away to where you won't produce retarded babies. But then again, if you look at most kids today, I say do away with the incest laws because they're popping out stupid anyway. <laughs> <laughs> we can't avoid it. <laughs> yeah, they're just getting done. Like that picture on Facebook, turn back. It's all fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> Man. Well, thank you so much, man. I really appreciate it. I love these. I love these segments. Oh, get ready um, for the next one. It's gonna be a. It's gonna be good. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm stoked. I'm touching on an article today about uh, uh, gay culture in Utah. So, nice. It'll be interesting. Well, hey, thank you. And uh, again, the audience, check out Milton Eroticism on Facebook, and I post the transcripts for the show on uh, the Nine Cents Podcast uh, uh, Milton Eroticism page. Um, so yeah, I mean, you can sort of follow, you can read the transcripts, you can listen to the audio transcripts, and then you can go check out the articles on Facebook and, and formulate your own opinions and, and combat at ends if, uh, you are so inclined or cheer them on and pat them on the back, yeah. however you land on it. Or but, warning uh, about some of these, um, research articles I posted, I had to buy the articles or I'm a subscriber to the journal. So most of the time you'll only get the abstract, which is. A summary of the research. Yeah. Well, it's, it's better than nothing. Thank you for is. your time and, and for bringing all this together, Dan, and I hope you have a fantastic night, man. Oh, I will. I'm going out with a bunch of boys. <laughs> <laughs> well, wrap that rascal, man. <laughs> Ooh, it's going to be good. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, until next time, hail Satan. Hail Satan.
And that, my friends, is going to do it for another episode. I hope you liked it. And if you didn't, yeah, let me know. Yeah, shoot me an email, info9centspodcast.com, and uh, give me any suggestions, critiques, corrections, or general comments you might have. You can visit the Satanet, Facebook, Google+, Twitter, or MySpace page for nonsense and get updated on weekly topics. Download the show Monday nights via my RSS feed. Found at 9centspodcast.com. We're also on LastFM, Stitcher, Spotify, and YouTube, so look for us there. You can subscribe to 9cents via iTunes by searching 9cents, and don't forget to leave a rating and a comment. Seriously, it's been a while since I've gotten one, so hook a brother up. If you'd like to learn more about the Church of Satan, visit churchofsatan.com. And remember, the only way this podcast is going to live is if you tell someone about it. Share 9 cents with your friends, your enemies, hell your grandma. Tell mama. Let's build this podcast together, people. Help spread the word. And once again, thank you for joining me. And as always, I am your host, Adam Campbell. And until next week, wait for it. Hold. 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 Hail Satan!